everybody. This is Ise Cosette, the producer and host of Ise's Way, your favorite podcast that uplifts amazing people around the world. And today we have two special guests, Dr. Kyle Lee Goff, who is a London board award-winning writer, professor, and interdisciplinary artist. She specializes in colonial histories of race, debt, and technology. She's based in New York City and her work negotiates Black diasporic intellectual and political life. She studied English literature at Princeton University before pursuing a PhD at Yale University. She is also the assistant professor of literary theory and cultural history at Cornell University, where her research and pictorial work is rooted in literatures and theories of labor that center Black feminist engagements with indigenous and Asian diasporic racial formations. Much of her artistic and sound design practice explores colonial histories. We also have Tatiana, who was an artist and poet who enjoys thinking about how different mediums can be used to convey stories. Her art is inspired by dreamscapes, fantasy, and surrealism, often exploring themes such as ecology and love. She has a BA in Africana Studies from Cornell University, where she met her former professor, Dr. Tali Goff. Since graduating, she has worked with Dr. Goff as a lab manager of Dark Laboratory and the project manager of the Diaspora Solidarities Lab. Along with managing the lab, she's a member of the art collective Queer Star. Such an honor to have you guys with me. I'm excited to just learn a little bit more about your stories, being that we met last year and we've done so much. So can you tell the people just a little bit about yourselves? Thank you for that warm welcome and introduction, Issa. It is an honor to be here with you. And I say here with you, I know it's just virtual, but it feels like Tatiana and I have known you for a long time. And yeah, it's because we have sat with your work when you were part of the Cornell Summer Institute on Global Racial Justice and Cartographies. So to say a bit about myself is that I love to connect the dots as a professor and just put people into conversation who are already kind of overlapping in their interests, in their commitment to challenging power, challenging colonialism. So it's just really incredible to continue this sort of collaboration and conversation with you, Issa. I'm a DJ, and that also informs how I love to put people in conversation and to remix. Um, So I feel like this naturally leads to the question of being a curator as well, and what it means to put art in conversation with each other um, and artists together as part of a constellation. So I wear many hats, um, but just really thrilled to be here so we can talk about, yeah, what it means to remix colonialism and to use art as a tool for um, empowerment and also healing. Hi, um, I'm Tatiana. Thank you so much, Isa, for having me. It's been really cool to get to know you better as well after having met you last like July. But yeah, a little bit about myself. I am an artist, storyteller, poet, uh, just generally a world builder. Like I think in terms of my artistry, world building is definitely um, the foundation of it all, whether that's like world building within a poem or world building within like a traditional art piece, like my watercolors or my digital art pieces. I'm very drawn to details and how details become colossal once like, you know, all meshed together. Um, Yeah, so those are definitely things I like to think about. Really exploring Afro surrealism right now and thinking a lot about um, the cyclical nature of like these movements and 
where they originated from and what how we're seeing them today and now. So definitely noticing how that's impacting my own work. I really love how you guys one are paying attention to detail, how you're connecting dots, how your your practices connect and work together so that we can create different forms of healing, different forms of resistance and showing that we exist. And I wanted to know if you guys can kind of talk about maybe the most radical or awakening experience that allowed you to show up and do the work that you do today. I think just being able to show up as a calling, as a vocation for the artists that we work with has been such an honor. So Tatiana and I co-curated an exhibition called I'm New Here, Black and Indigenous Media Ecologies. And through the process of it, which has been over a year, we've just learned about the Western Hemisphere and the urgency of really grappling with stolen land and stolen life. And we see that as a crossroads as far as Black and Indigenous people. So the title of our exhibition, I'm New Here, really speaks to this question mark of what it means to be an immigrant, what it means to be Indigenous, and a kind of colossal timescale to echo what Tatiana was saying. So once we sit with um, these crimes, right, these ongoing crimes of colonialism, in terms of what has been done to native peoples here in terms of the transatlantic slave trade, there's a kind of scene of a crime that it felt really important to curate around and to honor living artists, to honor living artists of color, seven of whom um, we look at. So from Peru to Trinidad and Tobago, St. Vincent, North Carolina, Wisconsin, um, we kind of light up this map across the Western hemisphere that felt really important in terms of activism, especially post 2020, thinking about the murder of George Floyd and how that animates and tells a story about Minnesota, about Wisconsin, Green Bay, that is very similar to the kind of national amnesia that we see in Peru for black and native peoples. So um, through showing up for our artists, through connecting them to one another, there's a kind of vital work in terms of pushing our audience to see that the work is taking place and it's taking place in photography and specifically photography that engages with nature. So um, yeah, I'm just really thrilled that we get to speak to an audience who is committed to fighting against this so-called conquest (laughs) by European colonialism because it's not over and art is a beautiful way to celebrate the kind of refuge Black and Native people have found together um, across space and time in the Americas. Yeah, um, I don't know. For me, there's not exactly one radical moment. I think my own artistry very much has always come about um, my own place of healing, like definitely ever since I was like a child of being able to turn into my own inner world and like explore my own imagination because my you know imagination is like the only comfort really is the only thing that you can really turn to is the thing that kind of I think raised me in a way and took care of me um so talking about I'm new here and that like the moment of connection and yeah grappling with that pain and being like a balm for that pain what touched me so much about all of those artists work is how even though they were all coming from different places and documenting their own personal lives and experiences something about it 
felt so parallel to my own, even though they're all so completely different. But yeah, some I think something about almost like invisible threads that existed between everything. Yeah, so Tao and me have constantly talked about how all the work seemed as if it was already in conversation before it was even made, as if um, the constellation already exists. <laughs> so it all kind of just like aligned perfectly with what we ourselves were feeling, but also what the artists were talking about and documenting. The way that you guys, especially in the virtual digital space, have shown up and supported um, many artists, many scholars like myself, right? To be in conversation, I think that's very important. And um, one of the new projects that we're working on is the Kitchen Marinage. And so can you talk a little bit about that and your aspirations for what we hope to do with that in the Diaspora Solidarities Lab? Sure. Yeah. So I am the director of Kitchen Marinage, and I actually don't think of it as a lab as much as I see it as a test kitchen. So I think we have the proliferation since 2020 of all of these different labs for social justice. And that's amazing. Um, among them are the Diaspora Solidarities Lab, um, for which um, I uh, Dr. Yomaira Figueroa and Dr. Jessica Marie Johnson were awarded a $2 million grant by the Mellon Foundation. And through it, we're creating a kind of archipelago of spaces for change. And with Kitchen Marinage being one of that archipelago or island of labs, I see the kitchen as a radical space and as one that has been shared by Black and Native peoples and other peoples of color across time and space. So the work of I'm New Here actually connects to Kitchen Marinage in that, um, yeah, if we think about jerk chicken, there's a beautiful story to be told in terms of warfare and um, Amerindian people in Jamaica. So it dates back to, again, the scene of a crime, the scene of conquest and the fact that Maroons um, who have lived sovereign and continue to in Jamaica, in the hinterlands, um, learned from Amerindian people, so from indigenous people, and they cooked together. So they, you know, partook of what were the local and indigenous spices, plants, the pimento bush. So kitchen marinage for me is about the beauty of artistry and the taste and flavor that comes together from this slow cooking over centuries. So people don't know that when they eat jerk chicken. <laughs> people don't know the rebellion um, when they listen to reggae across the world always, but it's there. And it's a kind of soundtrack and undercurrent that we're gonna celebrate in Kitchen Marinage, which is a virtual space um, where, yeah, we're gonna have cooking demos. We're gonna have pop-ups. We're gonna think about what guerrilla warfare means if the conquest is not complete, then how does sustenance, um, how does nourishment play a role? And how does gender and sexuality play a role? If we consider someone like Nanny of the Maroons as a general, as a leader, but also as someone who planted pumpkin seeds and was able to um, nourish her army in Jamaica and defeat the British in the 1700s, then there's a kind of power in herbalism that we're going to be exploring collectively in Kitchen Marinage. So it's really about welcoming people, being inclusive beyond the bounds of the university 
and inviting people to, you know, catalog and document their recipes with us. Um, and it's all based on an article that I wrote in 2020 for the journal, um, The Finambulist, that is published in France. So I'm just honored that you all are excited to, to join me in the kitchen, whether that kitchen is outdoors as a kind of campfire and hearth, or whether it is the plantation kitchen and it's a kind of space of battle plans and um, yeah, safety where we can conspire together against colonialism. I really like that term, um, slow cooking over centuries. Like that, I, I just like the idea of how like recipes and food have been like fine-tuned for thousands upon thousands of years. And what that says about our bodies and our own body's responses to um, certain like flavors and certain foods in general um, and what your body craves when it is seeking like comfort, for example. Um, so that's what I really love exploring, like in my own cooking, like I definitely, I guess for me, I think like art doesn't ever stop. Like it's not something that you pick up as soon as you start painting. It's something that kind of carries you throughout the day. So cooking as well is definitely like a form of art. You know how they say like baking is like science and cooking is art. I, whenever I cook for myself, never really follow recipes. It's always just like intuitively, like what does my body want to see in terms of color or what does my body want to eat in terms of like ingredient and how do they all get mixed up? And it's really interesting whenever you like cook intuitively and then you later find that it's like parallel directly to another recipe that like already exists. And so it just has you almost in conversation with all of the humans that came before you. And I think that that's something really beautiful because it's both trust and community in terms of your own lineage and in terms of your own blood, but also with the people that you're cooking with and the people that you're eating with. Um, I think there's a moment of trust as soon as you're comfortable eating in front of someone. And I hope that kitchen marinage kind of cultivates and culminates that within itself. I sure hope so too. Um... And I'm grateful, you know, to just be in this space and just think about it, like definitely a radical space, definitely a healing space, definitely a space for us to show up and remember, right? Because that has been like so vital to my process of moving to Puerto Rico because I never really cooked Liberian food before I lived on the island because my grandma did all the cooking and that was her space. And I used to feel like I was invading in that area or um, her always like saying, well, go get the cookbook and just write down these recipes. And I just feel like, what? No, that doesn't make sense. And so now, you know, I'm having to either tap in, you know, to her with my spirit and remember, or like have to call my mother um, to be able to, you know, connect back to what was lost or what was taken away from us because of war. Right. Um, and Tatiana, this question is for you, just thinking about the ways that in the spaces that we get to show up in. And I wanted you to kind of describe how you possibly have evolved or your art and your practice has changed being a part of the dark laboratory and also um, creating I am new here. How do you think, you know, these experiences and working under Dr. Goff has shifted you in a way? I think before my art was way more, um, yeah, everything that just kind of was, like, I feel like every single time I make something, it's always my heart talking to myself. Like I, I talk about how it's never like one individual. It's almost like you're in conversation with your own body. Um, and so it's interesting because I feel like working with other artists suddenly makes that conversation a lot broader and suddenly makes it a lot more, like you just start to connect way more dots, kind of exactly what um, 
like Dr. Goff was saying, is you connect way more dots and like just the layers that everything starts to attain. Because again, with little details, it's just like layer upon layer upon like layer of story and how can all those like layers like connect with one another and almost create like an infrastructure of an art piece that is the most complicated thing I've ever done, which is something that I'm kind of like experimenting with now is entering like a new era of my artistry in a way. So I've been in a semi-hibernation mode for maybe like a year, two years, as I am assessing who I am as an artist, how going to school changed me as a person fundamentally, and how that shifted my art practice, because it definitely became way less um, just doing and way more critical as I go. So it's less of simply just heart. And I think I'm working with Tao and working with Dark Lab in particular, I think has really encouraged me to take that step back and remove the critic um, in my own artists, because you can't make if the moment you draw a line, you think it's wrong already. Like, <laughs> that's not anything. So yeah, I, I recently definitely have been experimenting with letting the image tell me what it is doing to itself. You know, like I've been writing poems through drawing pictures first and the picture will tell me what the poem is trying to say. And it helps translate the words a lot easier as soon as I'm ready to actually write them on the page. No, I appreciate that. And I'm grateful for it. Like, you know, being able to being able to have the time to step back and also be supported so that your art can grow instead of like being stuck. And, you know, sometimes, yes, being in the university, we learn things that it's hard to erase. But um, once again, so grateful for Tao and so grateful for the spaces that um, support you like Queer Star, right? Um, where you can just grow and be who you need to be and your art will heal you and also heal others because once we do this, you know, other people are looking for the same reflections, but we don't know how. So your practice, you know, will be ways that other people can tap into themselves. And expanding on our visions and how we grow, how you've been writing about the gastropoetics for almost more than a decade now, right? I'm sure even before it was in the public domain, it's been your practice. So can you talk about how your practice has shifted and, um, you know, what are your hopes for this new transition or this new self or this new representations of these poetics? Yeah, thank you, Issa, for saying that, because I think as a PhD student, you recognize that the work is gestating and is taking place long before the world sees it. <laughs> there are many iterations. Um, there are people who think that I'm new to writing about food, which is not true. It has been over a decade um, from the work of the dissertation when I studied American studies at Yale. And it's always been for me, gastropoetics rooted in black study and really thinking about it as a verb and thinking about it in the sense of a kind of muscle memory. So I just think it's so beautiful to hear you talk about your grandmother in Liberia. And for me, that resonates because there's a kind of muscle memory of our grandmother's hands, especially as black women that I think we don't even need to have known them per se, but it's there. And I'm excited about what it means to kind of reclaim that knowledge or be led on a path towards figuring out what it meant for them to have a kind of choreography in the kitchen, 
So gastropoetics for me is specifically about that gestation. It's about the nourishment of the womb. It's about the kind of intergenerational transmission that I don't see as a kind of passive act, but rather as a kind of Black feminist inheritance. So when I wrote the piece Sugar Work, um, the gastropoetics of Afroasia after the plantation, again, it was a celebration of two Black women who were artists who were grappling with this history in Cuba, so Maria Magdalena Campos-Fons, and also in Trinidad and Jamaica, Andrea Chung. And yeah, there's just so much power in really thinking about feminist genealogies and what it is that, you know, Black women have survived. And yeah, it's about a kind of process of being led and letting go, kind of surrendering and doing deep, rigorous research, much in the way that someone like Sadia Hartman does or that Toni Morrison does for her novels. Um, so I just feel honored that I get to be a professor, that I get to think about these rigorous questions of ethics and how we tell these stories, because I do feel like our grandmothers knew them. And whether we knew our grandmothers or not, we um, have the option to be on a journey to figure out what that knowledge of sustenance and survivance is. I love everything you said. Even just like when you go back to the memory of the hands, I literally just like remember like my grandma holding like greens in her hands and the way she just would cut. And I'm like, so pro, you know, everyone needs like cutting boards and the way she would just grab like a bush and it's just like, I always wish that I could do that. <laughs> right. But just the way that we acknowledge, of course, these practices, these memories that exist in us. Right. And then having the space. I think Alice Walker talks about like how our mothers never really had the time and space to really be these artists. And now we are having a little bit more space and a little bit more time to kind of reflect on what they didn't get to be named. But we noticed their art. We noticed their cartographies. We noticed their rem remembrances. And I'm just like grateful for just your practice and the way that you show up and make space because it's allowed me to tap into a lot of, of my maternal ancestry, just being um, a part of the islands and then being able to connect back with being in the States and just seeing how the diaspora moves throughout the world is just very important to me. So I'm just grateful once again for both of you guys, um, just seeing me and also seeing yourselves and being able to reflect that through different forms of art. And I hope that you guys know that your work is so important, not only just to me and our wonderful listeners, but the way that we're going to shape the future. Thank you for saying that. And I just wanted to chime in because I had a memory of one of my grandmothers. Um, so my mother's mother, I feel like it's not even that they had to be good cooks per se, but there's just certain gestures in the kitchen. Like I, we used to joke that she had like asbestos hands, like she could just carry a pot that just came out of the oven and it was just like how does she do that <laughs> but also it is about this kind of pain um because they were not superhuman and um I'll never like not be amazed by that kind of talent um so it's not to say all immigrants are these great cooks or everyone's grandmother could cook it's just really interesting to kind of meditate on these different um tropes and ideas about Black women in the kitchen and to reclaim that space. So thank you. Thinking about other ways that we can just celebrate art and the ways that um, lyrics touch our soul. I know that Tatiana, you have a poem to share with us and Tao, you will share some lyrics. So the song that goes with this poem is called A Garden of Peace by Lonnie Liston Smith. I like accompanying music with some of my poetry, not all of it, um, just to set the mood. 
Woke up and needed a good cry, only I didn't know it. Just knew something felt wrong, like an ache that couldn't make it to my heart. So she landed in my stomach. Took a long country drive, settled by the orchards. A gentle cold and the apples carried by the breeze shivered off early morning rain came later. Me humbled beneath the trees. When I noticed the clouds moving in the same direction as the quietest rippling of waves, like a ghost had blown breath, something forgotten, someone left. Saw the grass and my hair moving the same, strangest feelings coaxed out of me by the cries of the morning rain, the sweet morning rain. Thank you so much for sharing that, that was beautiful. Yeah, I'm still just in the midst of sitting with the seven artists that we curated. So Abigail Hadid, Nadia Huggins, Kai Minosh Pyle, Allison Ortega, Steve Nunez, Melia Del Sol, and Dora Papp. And what I wanted to share in terms of lyrics and poetry and a kind of visual lyricism of what their photography brings us is the first verse of a song called I'm New Here, for which we named the exhibition after. And it's by Gil Scott Heron from the last album he recorded before he died. He says, I did not become someone different that I did not want to be, but I'm new here. Will you show me around? No matter how far wrong you've gone, you can always turn around. Met a woman in a bar, told her I was hard to get to know and near impossible to forget. She said I had an ego on me the size of Texas. Well, I'm new here and I forget, does that mean big or small? No matter how far wrong you've gone, you can always turn around. So yeah, I just wanted to share those lines because to me, they're elegiac. Um, it's still so sad for me that Gil Scott Heron is not with us. And to think about these lyrics and the geography he gives us of Texas, is it big or is it small? I also hear Puerto Rico there. The fact that his mother spent a lot of time in Puerto Rico, the fact that his father was a Jamaican immigrant who spent time in Detroit and in um, Glasgow and Scotland. Um, yeah, and that story is one that I know because my dad wrote a book about Gil Scott Heron and his father. So I feel like this is the music that I grew up on and it's a kind of puzzle that it doesn't really make sense, right? Um, I did not become someone different that I did not want to be, but the poetry of it actually just feels so true to me in terms of what it means to be part of the African diaspora, to be Black. No, thank you so much for sharing those lyrics and also just the way that both Tatiana's poem and Nell's lyrics kind of move together, right? And the way that we're all kind to, we're all moving forward, trying our, trying to find ourselves in different spaces or how we connect to the spaces that we just so happen to end up in. So I'm grateful for just that movement forward, for being able to just tap into, you know, the places that we're allowed to be wherever we end up. So thinking about the way we're, that we're going forward, how are you guys on your way? Oh my gosh, I love this question. So I want to go first. <laughs> Just because I love the title of your podcast and I know how intentional it is. And my name, Tao, right? It means the way, the Tao. Um, and I've been thinking again just about what a gift my parents gave me in naming me Tao. And my sister's name is Gaia. So there is a kind of puzzle there that I think 
we both have been figuring out in terms of a connection to nature and the water force way. For me, Mother Earth, for her having a Greek name. But yeah, I feel like as much as it is about a kind of homage to my Chinese ancestry, it is also about um, a kind of way that I see in terms of Mamiwata and just different orishas or ways in nature of following water. So that has been really important to me. And it structures a book that I'm writing called After Eden, which is about this garden and all of the different gods that were there in the Caribbean and continue to be there because we know who they are. They're Indian gods, Chinese gods, obviously Yoruba, Akan, and they've been showing us the way the entire time. So for me, it's about a kind of cosmology that is this book after Eden, which will see the world hopefully soon. So thank you for, um, yeah, this question about the way, Isa. All right, how am I on my way? Ah, I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm definitely further on my way than I was yesterday. So that's all that matters. Um, no, I think my way has definitely like the, ugh, the past two years of like this pandemic, like graduating into the pandemic was a complete, was a crazy experience that definitely um, shifted my plans and the path that I thought I was on, but positioned me in a better direction. So <laughs> in a way that I think, um, yeah, everything happens for a reason. And so I trust the path that I'm getting taken on. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's all about being led and Tatiana and I are just really honored to be able to surrender and be led on this way together. So I'm just really proud of her um, and her accomplishments as a former student. I love that and surrendering because it's not easy. Look, had to learn the hard way and, <laughs> and probably just give up like, I'm just going to go with the flow. And this is how the good things happen because when it's by force, don't really work out too well. But um, thank you so much for just tapping into your own ways, for showing up for yourself, for saying yes to this, for saying, saying yes to the work. Um, and I just look forward to our collaborations, look forward to the cooking, for the art, for the love that is just going to just continue to just bloom out of this. And I'm, I'm just grateful. Thank you so much. Tell the people where can they connect with you guys at, where can they support your work? Yeah, so I've simplified it and it's just at Tauli Goff. So at T-A-O-L-E-I-G-H-G-O-F-F-E. And Instagram and Twitter are the best ways to do that. Or send an email to my Cornell University email address. Um, so mine are local pixies, local underscore pixies. Um, and then my website is tatianesh.com. Um, and I just wanted to thank you again, Issa. This is, it's really cool to just talk to you, honestly, because like we've been emailing for like so long that being able to just sit on Zoom and talk with you has been so lovely. So thank you for yeah, getting to let us, letting us get to experience you as well. <laughs> my pleasure. It's my honor. This is just the beginning of many beautiful conversations. To all of our wonderful listeners, wherever you are in this world, may you be led, may you follow your spirit and your guides to answer the call, to make the art and to make space for yourself. And as you move forward, continue to do it unafraid with ease and in collaboration. Until next time, this is Issa Cosette. Y'all be blessed. Thank you.